Our scripture for this morning is Romans 8, 5 through 9. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. May the Lord bless the reading of this living Word, and may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to You, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Early in our marriage, Jenny and I were talking, and she looked at me and she said, Honey, don't worry about it. It might surprise you to know that no one thinks about you as much as you think they do. No one thinks about you as much as you think about yourself. Really? You think I'm that self-centered? Wait, you're saying that other people aren't thinking about me all the time? I didn't like hearing either of those things. But her words were actually freeing. I still don't remember what we were talking about, but I still remember Jenny's words. They were helpful. They still are helpful as I remember them, sometimes with a laugh and sometimes with a grimace. They help me get outside of myself and this need I have to project a certain kind of self-image. Don't y'all want to be free too? Free from obsessively curating a certain version of yourself on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Free from checking those posts anxiously, compulsively looking, did someone like this? Did someone respond? Free from scrolling and comparing. Feeling good when your life seems better than theirs. And feeling deflated when you don't really feel like you measure up. Free from the need to gossip about other people, you know, to include that juicy detail, that embarrassing thing, that failure, that judgment when you tell somebody about somebody else. Free from the panic after you've engaged in that kind of gossip when you wonder, well, nobody would talk about me like that, would they? What are they saying about me? Free from despair when others condemn you, whether you deserve it or not. Free from the voice in your head that one minute says, I'm the man, and the next, I'm a loser. All of this comes from a deep insecurity within ourselves. A deep wound. We've all been wounded. Some more traumatically than others. And all of these self-centered thoughts and actions I've been describing are all part of an elaborate survival strategy 
to protect ourselves from being hurt again. But these strategies don't work so well, do they? They actually hold us back and hurt other people. In Romans 8, 5-9, Paul is telling us we have a choice to make. Not just in how we act, but how we think about ourselves and others and God. We can choose to live according to the ego, or we can choose to live according to the Spirit. You might not have been expecting that substitution, but Richard Rohr says that if Paul was writing in 2023, that he most likely would not have used the English word flesh for sark, but something more like ego, or to borrow Thomas Merton's phrase, the false self. Ego is not bad or evil in itself. You need a little self-centeredness to make sure your needs are met and to find any sense of self at all. And the false self is not bad or evil. That is the survival mechanism I talked about earlier. The mask we put on. The things that we do because we think they will protect us or help us to fit in with others. The problem is that this ego, this false self, is incomplete. It keeps us incurvatus in se. Latin for all turned in on ourselves. What is usually rendered in verse 5 as those who live according to the flesh, the contemporary English Bible translates people whose lives are based on selfishness. When we're curved in on ourselves, it keeps us from turning toward other people. And it keeps us from turning toward God. It keeps us in sin, falling short of the glory that God intended for us. But our ego, our false self, doesn't have to rule over us. It's a pattern or thinking of thinking. It's an attitude. It's really all in our heads that we can let go of with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can change our minds, which is really just another translation for we can repent. Utilizing the image of Exodus, Paul tells us in the beginning of this passage, the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. Because of what Christ has done, we are like the children of Israel whom Moses led out of Egypt. We're no longer slaves anymore, not to anybody, not even to ourselves. We're no longer slaves to self-focus and self-aggrandizement that leads to sin and leads to suffering and leads to death. The chains have been broken. We have been given the freedom to let Christ love us and for that love to rule our lives. But do you remember the story of Exodus? Only a few miles out of Egypt, the Israelites started to talk about how, well, life was actually better and more comfortable and more predictable in Egypt when we were slaves. They actually wanted to go back. They were free, but they were still thinking like slaves. The Romans, who Paul was writing to, were doing the same. They had heard the gospel. They knew that God's unconditional love shown on the cross made it clear that Jews and Gentiles alike, anyone who called on the name of Christ, was saved and righteous in God's eyes. Not because of who they are, or not because of any way they can prove themselves worthy, but because of God's grace and mercy. But their minds were still enslaved. 
And in some ways, that bondage felt so satisfying, just like the gossip we talked about earlier, just like the measuring up we talked about earlier. Paul is urging them, though, to free their minds. Those Gentile Christians could continue to understand themselves as superior. Superior to those Jewish sisters and brothers because of their ethnicity, because of their citizenship, because of their wealth or their status in society, because they were philosophically enlightened enough that, to know that God didn't really need them to follow those old rules and superstitions of Judaism. They could continue to think of themselves as winners and their Jewish fellow church members as losers, just as their Roman culture did. They could continue to think the world and the church should revolve around them, their needs, their preferences, their ways of thinking. But they would be closing their minds and hearts off to life in the Spirit. That real presence of that Trinitarian God, which was actually as close to them as their next breath, Father and Son and Spirit, always giving themselves away in love to each other and this whole world. Those Jewish Christians, too, had a choice to make. They could continue to understand themselves as superior to the Roman sisters and brothers because they had the right ancestors and followed the right laws and they were right about God. They could continue to think that the world and the church should revolve around them and their story. But they would have been closing their minds and hearts off to life in the Spirit. The very real presence of that Trinitarian God which was as close to them as their next breath. Father, Son, and Spirit always giving themselves away in relationship to each other and this whole world. Breaking the chains of this desire to be right, to win, to be in control, to be in the center of the story is hard. But Paul knew it was the only way to truly open ourselves to God. The only way to truly be free. In his book, Everything Belongs, Richard Rohr calls this giving up major surgery or conversion. He writes, there is a small eye that has to let go so that the true eye can be born. What can't happen if we live entirely in the small eye is quite simply love. Love is almost not possible there. The small eye only knows itself by comparison, image, by how we look. As long as we are comparing and differentiating from the other, we can't love the other. We judge it. As soon as we are in judging mode, higher, lower, superior, inferior, we can't love. The small eye does not permit a realm of freedom where love flourishes. What flourishes is control, comparison, and competition, which bind us, blind us to love. My friends, we don't know if the Romans underwent this major surgery. We don't know if they were converted. But today's sermon is not really about them. It's about us. It's about you. Paul says those who live according to the flesh, to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. What do you set your mind on? 
What images or sounds or stories do you fill your mind with? We have to be intentional about this. And sometimes we have to give us thing, up things that make us feel good, but keep us in chains. Here's a small example. I love all kinds of music. And for the record, I don't think any one genre is more or less moral because you can find good or bad messages in all kinds of music. But when I'm working out, I love hip hop. But I have to be careful about that because rap is all about ego. Winning, showing that you're better than someone else. That's fine when I'm pushing up weights or running up a hill, but not when all I do is win, 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 no matter what is my mantra for life. So sometimes I have to change the song or take a moment to take, say a quick prayer and remind myself that Christ is strong in my weakness, that I'm not saved by my own power, but only by grace. What examples might you find? Maybe it's the shows you watch. Maybe it's the things you look at on social media. Maybe it's how much is riding on whether your team wins or loses. I have ruined whole weekends over crying over the Tar Heels. What do you watch or listen that is inflating your ego or just as dangerously making you feel like you're not enough? What about the news you consume? Whatever, you, whatever network you watch, I, I would bet you're encouraged to feel good about yourself because you're right and righteous and better than those other people who watched that other network and voted that other way. If your eyes are open, I think you'll see ego, ego, ego everywhere you look. Be mindful of these influences. They're not all bad or evil in themselves, but maybe you need to limit them. What does that look like for you? And maybe you need to replace them. We have to be intentional about what we set our minds on, what we fill our minds with, what points us beyond ourselves to Christ and Christ's way. Before the scripture we read for today's call to worship in Philippians 2, Paul writes this in the message translation. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. And then continuing on with the passage we read, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. When you find yourself obsessed with yourself how you look, what other people think about you, your own sense of worthiness. Look at Jesus, who Paul says didn't think so much of himself. Turn off your AirPods, turn off your TV, tune out of your inner dialogue and set your mind on Jesus. 
Get your Bible and turn to one of the Gospels and fill your mind with the stories of His life. Fill your mind with His words about what it truly means to love and what it truly means to live. Turn to your friends. Sometimes it takes someone else speaking into your life to get out of your own head. So take the risk to be vulnerable and get together with people who are trying to set their minds on Jesus. People who, like Him, love you just as you are, but can look at you with kindness and firmness and call out your self-centeredness. Not because they're judging or condemning you, but because they know you can be more if you stop thinking so much about yourself. Turn to giving and serving. When you find yourself caught up in your own worries and needs, do what Paul says. Forget about yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Go sort groceries for an hour at God's storehouse or prepare a meal for food and secure neighbors at Grayson, Maine. Or go visit somebody in the nursing home. Or turn off your email and take the hand of that child who is begging you to go play with them. The counterintuitive, countercultural, paradoxical, paradoxical gospel thing you'll learn is that when you forget yourself, that when you give yourself away, that you'll find yourself in Jesus and in others. My friends, the chains of the ego have been broken. You can choose to cast them aside. You can't do this on your own. You can't do your own major surgery. But if you make small choices to set your mind on Christ, to set your mind on Christ-like people, to set your mind on the way of Jesus, you'll find the Spirit there to help you. You can free your mind, for you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. May it be so. Amen.